there. Welcome back. I'm Karen Hall, your host of the Hero Within podcast. I'm passionate about sharing inspiring true stories of unsung heroes who've overcome some of life's most challenging adversities. Come along with me and learn how you too can find hope and healing to return to love. When I visited with Tessa Lewis, I found out we both love Marianne Williamson and her book, Return to Love. I have often pondered the question, what would love do? Do you ever feel triggered and have trouble getting back to love? I know I do. Listen as Tessa shares how she stopped keeping score when someone wronged her and how she tapped into love. Tessa, if you would like to tell us a little bit more about you, I'm so happy to have you on our show today. And our listeners are going to love learning about you because you just have such a beautiful heart. And I just love the values that you have and the ways that you have been looking at your experiences. And so just tell us about your story. Sure, I'd love to. So I'm Tessa Lewis, and I'm the founder of The Best Self Collective, and it's also a new podcast, The Best Self Collective Podcast. You know, I've been a lover of all things personal development since I was a child, and it's just been like my joy and my calling, like helping us all just be the best versions of ourselves is just natural interests of mine, talent of mine. I've always been a passion of mine, and now I get to share it with a brand new podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you think you developed that so young, that that personal self-development and and you know, helping others in that way out. Like, can you remember some memories about doing those things? Sure. So there's a couple of memories I have. So the first thing that comes to mind is that my mother told me that I've been listening to Oprah since before I was born because she was listening <laughs> to Oprah when she was pregnant with me. <laughs> so like, Oprah has been a huge part of my life. The story I like to tell is the fact that my parents had a big bookshelf of books when I was a child. And a lot of those books were, um, were personal development by motivational speakers. And so when I was a little girl, I used to stay up late and read these books, you know, um, like I didn't want to read the bedtime stories and Dr. Seuss. I wanted, I was reading Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins from like the time I could actually read. And so that had a big impression on my thinking and mindset and my understanding that words with intention matter and all those kind of things. This is just so incredible. I mean, literally, <laughs> this has just been your environment before yeah. you were even born. This is really fascinating. So <laughs> tell more about your life experience. Sure. When I was young, I used to think I was going to be a counselor. I thought I'd be some sort of psychiatrist. I thought I'd always be in the realm of like helping people with their problems. You know, that was also very important to me. I should also mention my mother is uh, she was a social worker for a while. I just saw her helping people as her job and her passion. Wow. I didn't choose that path professionally. This is definitely what I do on my time off is work on myself. And I love to be in communities with other people who are working on themselves too. That's awesome. And so tell me about some experiences that you have had where you have applied these things and where you've had some paradigm shifts in your life. Mm, mm, good question. That's a juicy question. You know, it's very tempting to want to be negative or just to feel hopeless about something. I'm protecting myself by not giving in to the temptation to feel total despair about something that I don't need to feel despair about right now. It's very easy to have a pity party, but when you kind of shift yourself into the mindset of like, how lucky am I to have the problems I have right now? There are people with way worse problems and maybe there's a silver lining here. Maybe there's a gift in here somewhere. I think that kind of thinking takes a certain level of mental discipline try to train yourself to see that. And sometimes you're in the thick of it and you can't see anything positive and you want to curse everybody out or you want to cry or scream or whatever. But what I try to do is like not spend too much time there and kind of drift myself back to that centered place. 
Yeah. You know, so many of our listeners are going through very difficult challenges in their life. Some have long-term health problems. Some have issues with trauma that they've experienced. Some have, you know, addictions or their loved ones have addictions. And so some of these difficulties that they're dealing with are very long-term. And so trying to keep the the mindset to help themselves and to help those that they love, it's very challenging. Could you speak about that a little bit? There's something very powerful and magical about when we just choose to to see the light and we choose to see the good in something that opens us up to see the blessings in really terrible things sometimes. And it makes you more available to, to have deeper insight, the things you hadn't seen before. When you're just stuck in the mire of something that's difficult, you're not as available to, for miracles term in terms of like shifting your perception from fear to love. As of course in miracles would say, it's not just a supernatural occurrence. It's what's happening in your mind and in your perception of things that can make everything so much better. I love the Course of Miracles. I trained with Marianne Williamson, and yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. In fact, so I read Return to Love, and I just, I just loved her book. It was just so profound the way that it impacted me. And then I started studying the Course of Miracles, and that to me is one of the greatest miracles. Is when I can move from fear to love, and I feel like it's divine when it happens yes. because so many times my brain just is stuck on the fear or it's stuck on the negative and I'm praying for help and I'm asking, please help me see this differently. Yes. You know? yes. But when, when that shift happens, many times I feel like I, I receive guidance or insights or something. My eyes are open to see things that I didn't see before. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, that's fascinating that that, that that book influenced you. Tell me about how you became acquainted with Marianne Williamson. So I've just been a huge fan of Marianne's since Time Memorial. Well, tell me what it was that you love from Marianne. Okay. So one of my favorite quotes from Marianne is about rising to be the person you're capable of being. Because I know when I say, I want to be the best version of myself, sometimes I don't quite know what that looks like. But when I ask myself, you know, who am I capable of being in this moment? It's much more accessible. It's less lofty and more real in the moment. Am I being the person I'm capable of being right now? That's that's a great question because the best version, we could always think it could be better. So I can see where your brain would think that's a little too lofty, but what am I capable of, of seeing right now? That's a really good one. What, what other kind of questions do you ask yourself? What would love have me do when I don't know what to do in a situation, especially when I'm feeling very triggered on something and, and I have some strong emotions, I can give into this anger, fear, whatever this strong triggered state is, or do what love would have me do. It's just, a, it's like a salve, you know, for whatever the wound I'm experiencing is, it just calms me down. Yeah. So you talked about being triggered. When you are triggered, what are some of the practices that you try to do to help yourself to de-escalate those strong emotions? Sure. So my favorite thing at the moment to do is just to observe the thought that I'm triggered. You know, like, oh, this is really upsetting me. Wow. And just enjoy that observation versus being at the mercy of it. It doesn't have to be also consuming. And I think that's really, really helpful is just having a bit of mindfulness with it. Yeah, that's really good. And then what do you do? <laughs> sure. And then from there, just try to breathe through it. Like, okay, I'm triggered. This is happening. I'll try myself different things. You know, number one, like if someone is upsetting me, it's like, maybe they're not trying to, maybe they are, maybe I don't know what they're going through right now. 
Maybe they need love right now. You know, who knows? I remember my father was going through cancer treatments and things. He'd get up every morning and go get his cancer treatments and then have to go on with the rest of his day. But he'd feel sick. He'd feel tired, dizzy, whatever. He wasn't feeling his best. And like, I remember thinking like any person in this world could be like my father who just got cancer treatment this morning. So maybe they're not being nice or maybe they're being rude, but you don't know what they've been through this morning or, or last week. You have no idea. So it's just trying to remind myself like, hey, this situation sucks right now. It's not fun. But I don't have to let this just be the end of the world. And and for a long time, like if I was triggered, it's all bets were off. I'm mad. So now everyone, you know, has to know how mad I am and how right I am. And, you know, like none of that anymore. It's just God bless you. I don't know what's going on with you, but God bless you. And like, let's find a way for me to like remove myself until I'm less triggered is what I would say. I'm amazed. So many of the things that you're saying, I could fill in the rest of the sentence because I remember when my kids were little. And they were asking me, why does that person act that way? They're so grumpy. Why do they act like that? And the impression came to me. I said, what if they had cancer? And and they were just so sick. I said, then what would you think? And they're like, oh, well, then it would make sense. No wonder they're being grumpy. And I said, how would you feel to them? And they were like, oh, well, we would feel sad for them that they're grumpy. Of course, they're grumpy if they're having chemotherapy. And so that's so amazing that you had a a life experience with your dad Mm -hmm. that cemented that thought into you then to look at other people because we don't know what other people are going through. And also it could be me. Like maybe I'm the problem. I might be the the one that's in the wrong here. And the more I can slow down and and really think about it versus just feeling so wronged, the more the world could slow down and be less quick to anger or judgment, the better off we'll all be. Yes. And so one of the one of the things that that Marianne talks so much about is the ego. Could you explain that for our listeners who aren't familiar with Marianne Williamson or or her terminology? Could you explain the ego? Sure. Sure. So the ego, as my understanding is, is of course refers to it as a tiny mad thought. And it's like that voice in our head that's just goes to the negativity, goes to the fear, goes to the lack. It's like gravity. It's there, but you don't have to always be at the mercy of it. You know, how do we learn to manage it? How do we learn from it? I feel like I've learned a lot from my ego because it shows me where I'm wounded. It shows me where I need to work on some things. So rather than trying to destroy it or hate it, like banish the ego, I actually would prefer to partner with my ego. It's not a part of me that's my favorite, but it's a part of me that is here to stay and I can learn to love it. And and when it acts up and needs attention, that means it needs love. That's how I describe it. Oh. oh, Tessa, that is so beautiful because so many times when I am trying to, to figure out what's going on, my question is, what just happened <laughs> when I get triggered? I don't understand. I ask that question, what just happened? What's going on here? And, and so many times when I do step back and just take a minute to listen, I realize that that I have a wound that has been bumped into and that my ego is coming into play because I'm hurting. And so it's trying to protect me somehow. Yeah, it's trying yes. to, to teach me that I'm not totally healed. Sometimes I think, oh, there's that thing again. I thought I was over that. I'm realizing, nope, there's another layer that's still needs yep. some some love, like you said, some love. And because there is that harsh mentality that I think yeah. is counterproductive, really, because what we what we really need and our inner child really needs, because how it's usually a wound from some time in the past, mm-hmm. that 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 child needs that love and compassion instead of the judgment towards ourselves. Right, right, right. I've wasted a lot of time and energy of my life trying to like 
overcome the ego and control the ego and 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 be mad at myself because I'm bumping into fear. That's just not time well spent. Like that's not how you get through the hard stuff. And the easier way is a path that is more loving, more forgiving, less judgmental, you know, and more peaceful. Ah, oh, I love that because that is the anecdote to the self-criticism and the self-loathing that we have so much. Because many times when we're trying to be the best version of ourselves, we are critical of ourselves when we're not the best version. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The irony of it. (laughs) And then that blocks us, you know, from becoming and acting, you know, in love. Absolutely. Keep an eye on the ego because it's very insidious, as Marianne would say, you know, it's where you're comparing yourself or you feel like you're not good enough. And it's just like that, that vicious voice Versus the voice telling you to be better. It's like, you're not good enough. That's the ego. Be careful there. Right. Absolutely. So have you had some experiences that have helped you to learn forgiveness? I stopped keeping score of like what's been done to me. Yes, you wronged me or I felt wronged or whatever. We had a fight. I release it. I let it go. Like the old Tessa, like maybe 10, 12 years ago that was younger and less experienced would think, but they, but they were wrong, but like they need to pay for what they did to me. And I need to show them how right I was. It's like, Tessa, forgive them, move on. Just forgive them. You don't know what they were going through. Like we said earlier, you don't know what factors went into this. And again, I said, maybe I was part of the problem. I was probably part of the problem too, you know? And so it's the commitment to forgiving others. I don't mean forget. You got to show self-care and be careful who you share space with. And it's a journey of like both forgiving yourself and forgiving others at the same time. Yeah. I think that, I think there's an interesting principle there because my younger self would often say, but that person did that thing first, but it doesn't really matter. What really matters is how can we get back to love? How can we both get back to love? Yes. yes. And I love how Marianne Williamson always says, it's the the person who is the most sane. It's their job. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, because I think a lot of people feel like, wait, that's, that's not my responsibility. They acted like that. And so, Mm -hmm. so I just, I think that that's a, it's a, it's a higher level of consciousness, really. That's your return to love every time. That's where I think we find our peace. And it's interesting how so many times it doesn't matter if you were right or they were in the wrong. And I don't mean like in abusive situations or extreme situations. I mean, like in like everyday triggering, annoying things. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because in those difficult, you know, abuse type situations, when someone tries to apply this, it it feels a little off, you know, and they, they struggle with, wait, how do I set boundaries? I just don't know how to implement that. And so I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, because many of our listeners are either dealing with abusive situations or they have a loved one that is. Sure. First things first, take care of yourself and and get in tune with like when boundaries have been violated. Like you get a sense of like when something is wrong, really, really wrong. When you tune in and realize, am I betraying myself? It's no longer about necessarily what the person's doing to me. It's like, what am I allowing to be done to me? And if it's something that's just like crossing a line, that's making me abandon who I am and what I stand for that's a problem. That's a red flag. That means you might need some help in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for talking about that because I think that 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 whole concept about abandoning ourselves is really, is another really deep concept. Mm-hmm. Could you talk some more about that and elaborate on? Cause I know a lot of people are going to say, what does she mean? Abandon myself? <laughs> sure. I think it just means like when we aren't our own best self advocate, you know, and, and when we value ourselves as much as we value the person that we love the most in the world. And if we wouldn't let them be treated a certain way, 
we need to apply that level of, self, of love to ourselves, you know, and it's really hard to do this sometimes, you know, a lot of times, especially women, we're taught, take care of everybody else first, we can wait, we don't matter as much, everyone else needs this and that, then I might get the scraps that are left over. And so that's a very, it's very toxic programming we have as a society. It's yes. that self-betrayal and self-abandonment is when we lose sight of what we need and what we deserve. Taking time for that self-care, you know, that is a a form of loving myself. A lot of times people, when they first hear about self-care, they think it's selfish, Mm. but it's interesting when we understand the principle of um, like putting our oxygen mask on first. You know, in my experience, (laughs) things totally fall apart at a certain point when I'm self-abandoning, when I'm not doing my own self-care, like nobody really, really wins when we do that. I was going to ask you about another thing that a lot of people um, wonder about. And so when we're, when we're in a, a conflict of some sort and, and our, and our feelings are hurt or we feel angry or whatever, and, um, and we're reacting to that situation, there's a, a saying out there that you give your power away. Mm. And a lot of times when people hear that phrase, they're like, what do you mean? I give my power away. I'm not giving my power to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so could you, explain that in more detail because I think that's a an almost an elusive concept that that people when they're trying to grasp hold of that are like it just feels like a slippery fish you know you just right. can't, can't grab a hold of it <laughs> that's a tough one to describe but it's so powerful and once you've lost it you know it <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know like I've, I've gotten an argument with, with a cousin of mine recently she I'm a maid of honor in her in her wedding and we had a disagreement about something that was really intense and I lost my cool. I would define it as like, you know, when you let your emotions get the better of you, when you let your ego preside over like, I'm running things, I'm going to be right. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. I'll be the loudest or the meanest or whatever. And it's just all that power you have internally being used to harm someone else in some way. And it, it usually probably emotionally, it's losing that power and rather than keeping it for yourself where you say, you know what, like, I need to take a break. I need to take a few minutes and and center myself. I've lived that life of being like that. And it's no fun. You know, I'm not saying it's easy to walk the path we're talking about of self-enlightenment kind of thing, but like, it's better losing control. And and one of the things that I've noticed is that um, a, a lot of our listeners are dealing with depression and anxiety. And a lot of times um, I have worked with women who just can't stop thinking about the way that they were wronged and they, and they are hurt by that. And they feel rejected, betrayed, um, abandoned, you know, by somebody or whatever. And so when they're told, you know, don't react to that, basically, they're like, how could I not react to that? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) that person did that thing. And that hurts me so deeply. And I, I feel rejected. And so trying to take their power back, that's when I think it really feels so elusive because it yes. it makes sense that you're hurt, you know, and and trying to um, trying to take take their power back is 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 very foreign for most people, especially in that situation when they're feeling depressed. So I wonder if you could talk about that side of it. Finding a way to process that energy is what I think has always saved me. You know, like I don't ever deny the intense energy I feel towards my anger, my sadness, my frustration, whatever, disappointment that usually looks like journaling. You know, I also write poetry at times, you know, where I can just be as honest as I need to be in ways I couldn't be with someone who I'm talking to. Um, yeah. it, it's just, it's finding those creative outlets for that 
energy. Cause I think when we don't express energy, that's when I know for me, it feels like it's just turned against me, like you said. So, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that is, that is really great. I find the same thing for me is if I can't talk about it, then writing about it, you know, yeah. is very healing for me. Having a new attitude, having a new boundary, a loving boundary where it's like, I love you. I will give what I can. I will do my best, you know, with all the love in the world. My answer is no. I love you completely. And this is what I'm able to give you. This is my beautiful boundary. And you don't get to take that away from me. I love that. This is my beautiful boundary. When we have a strong feeling about that and 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 we need that for ourselves for whatever reason, I think that's what that comes in that we can abandon ourselves when we don't set that boundary. Absolutely. And so I just recommend anybody who's listening, like just yeah. protecting your energy, protecting your space and your peace with just that loving place that you're not going to overgive. You're not going to self-abandon. You're going to say, here's what I'm available for. And here's what I'm not available for. And thank you so much for, for talking about protecting your peace, because so many times that's the problem that happens is that when we give too much, then we start to feel resentful. It can be so difficult. This is not easy work. This inner work is not easy for the faint of heart, but it's so worth it. And it's so important. You know, when the other person is angry, when you set a boundary and they want you to do something, trying to force you to do something and to realize, because one of the things that helps me is to, to re rewrite the script. So when they're saying, you know, something negative to me about the, the situation, whatever it is, and I try and say in my head, what would they say if they were feeling love right now? And I think that is a powerful tool for us because when someone is having a strong reaction and directing that towards us, our ego so much wants to react and defend and to and attack back. But when yeah. we can step back and look at them, remember that we're a being of love and remember that they are and look at their their unmet need. What is what are they trying to communicate? What is that unmet need? And and, and to turn it into a positive. We have to forgive the other person. You can be mad at them or you stay mad at yourself because I, I didn't do it perfectly, but like that doesn't help anything. So it's like that just to bring it back to the very beginning about that forgiveness is going to be a huge part of any human interaction, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thank you for that reminder, because even though we, you know, can discuss these wonderful tools and, and, and ways of thinking we're human. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we do have reactions and then that's okay. Then we get a chance to practice and we get to extend grace to ourselves and extend grace to them and have compassion for all involved exactly. <laughs> and show love. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we do it all over again the next day, you know, and that's just, that's the way it goes. And, and, and the work never ends, you know, almost like seeing those, you know, opportunities for my own growth. It's just another opportunity for you to, to learn because if we, quote, quote, fail a test. It just shows us, well, there's a place that we need to study more and we need to learn more. And so, and I have always thought it's really not a failure if we learn from it. The, the failure is when we don't learn. And so, and sometimes that, that takes time to learn things. I think we have to be kind to ourselves also that some things we struggle with most of our life, if not all of our life. It, this is all about practicing down here. <laughs> you know, and we just have lots of opportunities and lots of people, different personalities and different situations. And, and, and we're at different stages in our life and different levels of awareness, even. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's all this, all it is, is all a big practice. And that's the beauty is like, if you fail at practice, it's not really failing, right? You know, 
It's yeah. just, you're just learning. You just get to keep practicing. And <laughs> and one last thing I think okay. of just, just to mention, cause I'm thinking of it too, is like, I try to think about like the people who I admire, who write all these motivational books, you know, like a Marianne Williamson, Dr. Wayne Dyer, when he was living all these people, they have bad days too. They have fights with their relatives and their spouse or whatever, and disputes with their neighbors. We're all human. <laughs> we're all doing the best we can at this moment, you know, and if we don't have the awareness right now because we're triggered or because we haven't learned it yet, mm-hmm. well, we are, we are doing the best that we can. I was going to ask you if you had any recommendations of some of your favorite books. Oh, sure. I'll actually give you a list of things you could post, but um, number one, Return to Love, which you mentioned, oh. <laughs> life-changing book. We are just together on that return to love book. <laughs> yes. I'll also add in there um, The Audacity to Be Queen by Gina DeVee. And it's a beautiful book about being the queen of your life and actually just owning the fact that you are worthy of the things you desire. Um, such a such a powerful book. Right now I'm reading um, Ask and It Is Given by Esther Hicks. And that's a very interesting oh, wow. book on um, manifestation, law of attraction. They're my top three at the moment that are great books just to return to not just read once, but to return to for the deep lessons. Because every time I read these books, and I've read each one more than once, like I get a different, deeper lesson each and every time. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, I'm the same way. I, I've read Return to Love several times, and I have books that I keep going back to, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if you had any any um, links that you would like to share with our listeners so that they could, if they had, if they wanted to contact you or they wanted to learn more about you, um, how could we get a hold of you? Sure. I'm at the at I'm at the Best Self Collective on Instagram and then the Best Self Collective podcast on um anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. The Best Self Collective. Well, Tessa, thank you so much for being with us. It was just wonderful to visit with you today. And um I just appreciate all your insights and all your life experience and all your studying and absorbing <laughs> information from the womb. <laughs> It's just glorious. I just love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Karen. You're a light. Thank you so much. What did you think when you heard the question, what would love do? I love this question. This is my new mantra for 2023. Join us Thursday when we will dive into even more about how to return to the love we were born with. Learn more about Tessa Lewis, the host of the Best Self Collective podcast, See the show notes for the links. I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend, Linda Brand, host of the Empowered Podcast, which is all about abundant living and living empowered. She will share tools and tips that she's learned through overcoming challenges in her own life to help you create a life of joy and freedom. Linda is a spiritual mindset and women's empowerment coach, successful realtor and entrepreneur. She offers one-on-one coaching and courses like Abundant Living and a Money Mindset course. You'll find her links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here and listening to today's show. I know life is busy. I appreciate you and value the time we spend together. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe, leave a review, and include any questions you have for our guest. I'll read your review and mention you by name in my Thursday episode. See the show notes to get the link to join our Facebook group, email list, and to listen and watch our episode on YouTube. Wishing you lots of love in your own hero's journey.